0: Ooh, Lord, my trouble so hard. Don't nobody know my trouble for God. Don't nobody know my trouble for God. Ooh,
1: Lord, ain't my trouble so hard. Ooh,
0: Lord.
1: My Welcome to the Radical Reverend Show. I'm your host, Sherry DeNovo, and it's a particularly uh, I'm particularly moved by this show today, and particu- and of course, in light of what is going on in our world, and particularly in light of what is happening in Palestine, Israel, as we speak. I have two amazing guests. Um, I have so much respect for both of them. Uh, the first, uh, who you'll hear me speaking to, is David Berlin. David uh, was the co-founder and first editor of the Walrus magazine, still very much in operation. Uh, also a writer, of course, for that, and a former editor of the Literary Review of Canada. He was born in Israel and raised in Toronto. He served under Ariel Sharon um, in the Yom Kippur War, and actually also, uh, like my second guest, um, attended medical school in Tel Aviv, graduated from the University of Chicago, taught at several universities, written in numerous world publications, including the New York Times, and ran for the NDP, including uh, the leadership. Uh, David has written a book called The Moral Lives of Israelis, Reinventing the Dream State. My second guest uh, that you'll hear after my conversation with David is Dr. Iseldin uh, Abuelish. Uh, He was born in Jabalia camp in Gaza, Palestinian. Uh, He is a doctor, a professor. His book, I Shall Not Hate, A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity. Beautiful read, both of these books. Uh, Please do buy them. Uh, And also a board member of Daughters for Life Foundation. He is the first Palestinian doctor to ever work in an Israeli hospital, became a Canadian citizen in 2015, a winner of multiple awards, uh, too many to mention here, and multiple honorary degrees and citizenships around the world. So welcome to you both. Uh, It's an honor to have you on. And David, let's start with you. Uh, you were the inspiration in part for the, for this show. You spoke, uh, and I spoke a while back, and you said that what was necessary and what isn't happening is for religious leaders of all faiths in Palestine, Israel, to get together. You said in a room, and to come out speaking with one voice for peace, and you said that would make a difference. And one of the one of the missing pieces of coverage it seems to me of what's going on there now is any discussion about our faiths and we three represent three faiths here Judaism Christianity and Islam and uh I thought that's the perfect topic for a radical reverence show so uh let's let's get you on so expand on that initial thought David why why did you say that
2: well yeah you know I remember um as I was reporting from Israel uh, during the re- withdrawal from Gaza, and I spent a lot of time in the settlements talking with all sorts of, I would say extremist rabbis. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I have the bona fides um, to get to talk to these people because, you know, my great-grandfather was a uh, very, very famous uh, Jewish rabbi in uh, in. in, in Baserbia, uh, really. And so 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 they spoke to me as if I was one of them, but I'm not one of them. And the the, the sense was that uh, there is no uh, resistance to whatever a rabbi will say to a congregation. So I happened to be in a rogue settlement called Tapuach, which is in the West Bank. And I walked in on a Saturday morning sermon and the rabbi was preaching the assassination of a prime minister. Now, this happened, as you remember, in 1995. uh, A whole bunch of rabbis were calling for it, and in fact, uh, many of the theologians at the uh, Bar-Ilan University, and that ended up with the assassination of uh, Rabin. Uh, And now uh, Sharon was pulling out of uh, the the Gaza... uh, the Gaza Strip and uh, rabbis didn't like that, the, the settlement rabbis, and the the sermons were so extraordinarily virulent, it was it, it actually sent shivers out. You just could not believe the kind of ecstatic uh and and uh uh the the, the embrace of, of heavy duty violence. And I'm thinking who who is monitoring this thing? I mean why is there no I don't know, rabbinical supervisor that comes in and, and rebukes this guy and says, listen, you can't do that. You know, you're talking in the name of a religion. You know, you're talking not only for yourself. I mean, you know, you're not a, a, a an individual. You're talking for uh, a, a whole tradition here. And nobody was doing that. And there were kabbalists who were doing all sorts of, you know, crazy occult uh, uh, dances in front of the prime minister's house and, you know, and, and I assume and I'm not, I'm not an expert in these kind of things, but I assume that, uh, the Hamas, um, the, the, the imams in Gaza, certainly in the UK, and I've met many of them, uh, were, were just as, as virulent, you know, of course, not all of them, you know, but there, there seems to be no uh, order in in a realm that, that's supposed to stand for the moral order itself. You know, uh, so um, how how what we can do about it, I don't know. But I can tell you that that a a just a facile um, call for peace in the Middle East is is not is insufficient. You know, you cannot have you know the Pope. And the, yeah and and you know various uh, uh, religious leaders saying you know peace 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 without actually you know creating some kind of uh, order within the uh, within the ecumenical community uh, without demanding that without defrocking I don't know what like uh, I, I don't know what what you know used to be in the Jewish tradition at least you could get excommunicated. I don't know that anybody gives a damn about those kind of things. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, Protestants used to burn witches and what have you. Uh, I'm not so sure that that those are strategies that are available to to, uh, ecumenical uh, uh, community anymore. But there has to be something. You know, the, the religious leadership stands in place where the moral order occurs, that politicians are not beholden to a moral order. They're beholden to their own constituencies, you know, and and they have to get they have to get elected and they, and they are they are almost by definition, they are self-centered. And that is not the case of the religious order. There has to be a universality about there has to be a, a morality to it and it's just chaos out there.
1: And and I uh, speaking to, to David Berlin uh here uh of course about the religious aspects of of, of uh, the, what's happening in in the Middle East? Um, uh, a couple of things come to mind, David. First of all, I'm not I'm not neutral in all of this. I'm I'm emceeing this conversation, but uh, I'm also clergy. I'm Christian clergy, and my entire life, I feel like I have been struggling against the Christian right, uh, particularly as it's evidenced in the United States um, on a number of levels. Um, certainly where um, women are concerned, where LGBTQ people are concerned. Um, white supremacy has also infiltrated some evangelical orders and has always been part of that in the in the US and here. Um, and, uh, and so um, I, I come out of the United Church of Canada, which is a pe- peculiarly Canadian <laughs> tradition um, founded in 1925 of coming together of a number of Protestant denominations um, and we've always kind of prided ourselves on being, you know, progressives. Um, but but having said that, you know, it, it's still always a struggle uh, in the broader Christian realm. And and the other thought that came as you were speaking was uh, just in our congregation, we had by, um, by Zoom uh in on Sunday yesterday morning, uh, Peter Beinart. I don't know if you know him from New yes, York. He's 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 been a commentator on CNN, and so he spoke to our congregation. Orthodox Jew coming out of New York, and one of the 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 compelling things he said. It was a very compelling talk, but one of the compelling things he said, um, of course, um, like we all are calling for a ceasefire. But one of the compelling things he said is that you know that that not only um, are the actions of NetNahu's govern- government, you know, uh, affecting, you know, peace, peace, and all these things that we share in common and in terms of our hopes for the world, but also that it, it strikes directly at the heart of Judaism, that, that um, and he's someone who studies the Torah on a daily basis, you know, and, I, and it was really, it really moved me because I feel the same way about uh, right-wing so-called Christians um, as Jimmy Carter said, that if Jesus knocked on one of their doors and they'd, they'd boot him off the porch, you know, they wouldn't let him in. Um, so, I mean, that that's where we're all kind of coming from. Um, so what now is the way forward? I mean, you've, you know, you've been there, you've lived there, you've served there. Um, wh- what do you see as the way forward here?
2: You know, it, it's, it's 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 possible to talk about one's own vision. It's not possible to to prophesy what will happen. Uh, now, I, you know, for me, um, aside from the horror of the Hamas uh, attack, uh, there was also an incredible sense of disappointment that the protest movement in Israel was disrupted. And uh, the, you know, it was 43 weeks long, and there were hundreds of thousands of people. And I was really quite interested in how this thing was going to play out. And it could play out, and it still might play out after the Gaza War uh, into, believe it or not, a, uh, a some kind of uh, a separation between what you might call Jerusalem and you might call the coastal. Uh, and it just might happen that these two sides of, of, of Israel w- will not find common ground. Uh, you know, so far it's becoming more and more extreme. The, uh, you know, Netanyahu, of course, and his coalition uh, are are, uh, are completely, uh, uh, you know, not only in the right wing, but are are servicing the settlers in the West Bank, and, and they're at the service of, and it's uncanny how many Knesset members actually live in the settlements. You know, I, I, I think it's something like 30 or 35 percent of the Knesset lives in a dam settlement, you know, so so all all their uh uh af- where their voters come from and 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 their own affinities uh go that way as opposed to Tel Aviv, which, you know, I mean a lot of Tel Avivans, I have to say, uh have no idea. You know, they're sick and tired of the whole conflict, they're sick and tired of the West Bank. Uh they they have an extraordinary way of cordoning off uh what's going on, just living their small lives. You know, they say in Hebrew, which means, you know, uh, I, I just live in my little community. I don't know, you know, I, I've asked people that were with me in the army, what did you think about what happened in the Hebron the other day? And they said, Mani, Mali, ma, you know, I don't know it. I've never been there or, you know, uh, uh, it's their business. I, You know, I, I, I'm an economist. I teach philosophy at the University of Tel Aviv. I don't worry about those kinds of things. It's surprising. It's a, but it's surprising, but it's also a almost the only way that you can uh, cope in Israel. I mean, the barrage of news of that of the kind that you don't know what to do with and you, you don't have any influence over is just so overwhelming that you can hardly breathe. You know, so slowly, So, you live there, you stop reading the newspapers, you stop listening to uh, uh, radio. you know, you, you when you turn on the TV, it's for five minutes in the background as you're cooking. Uh and but it could very well be that Israel becomes two states, you know, some kind of commonwealth thing. Now I I, I, I you know I I don't I'm not even a hundred percent sure, and you can correct me uh uh if, if you can. I'm not a hundred percent sure that uh, that Gaza and, and the West Bank have to be a single state. I've spent a lot of time in the West Bank, uh and you know, Palestinians come from all over the place or have come to Palestine all over the place. I know that there's a lot of Gazans that have relatives in the West Bank, so for sure they need the, the the right of passage, but whether it has to be a single sovereign state, I'm not sure of. I'm sure that it doesn't have to, that it has to be free of Israel's occupation. That's for sure. But whether, whether it has to be a sovereign state, you know, I, I've been arguing with friends in Israel, and I've been you know, uh, on the radio in Israel just recently. Uh, and, and, you know, and my sense is that the way that Israel is responding right now to Gaza is the way it would respond to a sovereign Palestinian state. You know, if this state could control all of its extremism, say, that's one thing. But in order to do that, they would have to create such martial law and, and you know, and so much surveillance over the people because you know, th- there's always going to be some people. And one guy's going to get across and blow himself up in Tel Aviv. And again, we're going to have fighter sh- jets over it. Now, you have to realize also, Sherry, that Israel does not normally bomb the West Bank. I think in the two decades, two past decades, there's been two bombings, but I'm not, I, nobody's sure that it was fighter jets. You know, they think that it was it was a mosque. That, that 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 Hamas ostensibly was under. That was that bomb was dropped from a drone, but that they, they bombed Gaza because Gaza is a sovereign state. Now, it's not to say that they didn't bomb it before, but 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 you know it's almost like when I look at the way Israel is behaving towards towards uh, Gaza, they're they're treating it as if it was a sovereign state already, and as a matter of fact. Uh, Netanyahu, when this whole thing started, said, we're at war. You can't be at war with your own territories. You know, you can have problems in the territories, but you, you but you can be at war with a sovereign state. So, you know, I, 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 I'm, I worry, you know, that people who, who are fighting for the two state business uh, might be sorry for what they wished for, you know, be careful because if there's a sovereign state and all of a sudden there's something happens, then we're gonna have this all over again. And it's just gonna be it. So if you, again, if you ask me what has to happen or what should happen, not what will happen, but what I'd like to see happen, is back to uh, Shimon Peres' idea of a greater Middle East, of a new Middle East, that it's a much more regional thing, you know, uh, uh, where much more in the style of the EU, where Gazans and and West Bankers are free to, to move around you know uh maybe they vote where they live but they 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 can go to university anywhere they want that the that it's a much more open much the borders are much softer that's what i would like to see whether you know whether it's going that way i, I, I couldn't say
1: yeah. It was interesting that peter uh, Beinhardt, uh said in in this conversation and I'm, then i'm going to go and speak uh to to you uh, zeldin um that uh he w- he was advocating a, basically a one state solution but basically said you know um everyone should have a franchise everyone should have the right to vote uh, you know everyone should have access to um power in the same same way um but I'm going to leave that for a minute because I want to get back to talking about faith. Um, yes, Iseldon, it's such, a, such an honour to have you on the show. Thank you very much for being here and being part of this conversation. Um, again, just if you've just tuned in to the Radical Reverend Show, that's what you're listening to here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm your host, Sherry De Novo, and we're talking about um, and, of course, it's, it's broad, broadening out from that. But we're talking about the faith aspects. Uh, you, you're listening to a Christian, a Jew, uh, a, a Muslim, Palestinian, uh, someone Israeli-Canadian, a Palestinian-Canadian, and a Canadian um, settler uh, whose parents come from England and Italy. Uh, so so we, we have quite a conversation going on here. Iseldin, you've been listening to what David had to say. Um, first of all, just comments.
3: Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. You are talking about the role of the religious leaders. That if we can speak in one voice for peace, it's important to understand one thing. We need to seek the truth. And the truth sets us free. That's Jesus, peace be upon him. He said, and we all were born and created from Adam and Eve. And we became nations and the tribes, for what? To know each other, to understand each other, to communicate with each other, to construct, to develop, to enlighten the messengers and the prophets. They were sent with a message to show us the light, the right path and the right directions, which is important and that's what we need. There's no problem with religion or faith. The problem is with religious leaders who are politicizing it or distracting it or taking it out of context for a certain agenda, individual or political agenda. And that's the problem. There's no problem with the messengers. There's no problem with God. It's with those people who think they are God and they want to impose their agenda on others. That's important. Faith is very helpful. And the religion is not only about being a rabbi, a religious leader, imam, or a priest. It's about the practice of the religion. How do you live by it? How do you practice it? About dealing with each other, about the human values that were sent by by the messengers. And that's what is important. A praying, even in Islam, the worship is about a 20% of the Quran. 80% of the Quran is about how do we deal with each other, the treatment of each other. And I am sure in Christianity and in Judaism, but the people, they are trying to tailor it, to design it based on their interest. Then we mentioned peace. Uh, This word peace, it it becomes diluted. Even the people they lost, they are talking so much. Even it becomes a peace business, the more we have groups who are working for peace, the peace becomes far from us. We don't see it and no one is asking him or herself to stop why we don't have peace. I have to understand it. peace is a relationship, a relationship within ourselves and then between us, within the environment in which we live between us and the earth in which we live the space where we have we face a climate change pollution many bad things happening which is which are man made and also then peace between between us as people but there are certain requirements to achieve peace this peace should be built on of course in the human values equal rights equal dignity equal freedom, equal opportunities, then justice is important, then peace will be a consequence of these values. You don't need, if I am free here in Canada, free to as you are, my dignity matters as your dignity, my life and rights matter as your rights, then we live in peace. I am free as you are free, then peace will be a consequence of all of these values. There's no, no need to talk about peace. We live in peace, and that's important. Peace is a way of life. We believe in it, and we advocate for it, not just asking my own peace based on others' peace. So that's important. I see when, you know, as you mentioned, David, with the draw from Gaza, and I see you are, you worked with Ariel Sharon. Do you know where is Ariel Sharon is buried?
2: um not offhand
3: somewhere because you in worked with him you worked with ariel sharon where is he buried? what uh, is uh, his what is uh, his farm uh, called uh
2: far azal no it's far malal sorry it's no where,
3: yeah he comes i have from to there. teach you thank you so much i have to teach you about it how <laughs> meme you know the farm of ariel sharon and he oh is yes, yes i
2: i know that i know the farm yes, so it's good tenuous. you know that
3: so he was I will born, tell
2: you. He was born in Malau, in far Malau.
3: I am saying where he is his father. That's <laughs> important. So it's important. You know, he is buried with his wife close to the cemetery where my forefathers, my grandfather, the cemetery of the from which my family were kicked in nineteen forty-eight. His farm is part of the is built on the land of Abu Haish family. In Farhuj. that's what is there. So he is living there. I visited it just lately in July. So it's important to understand when you mention he left, and we withdraw from Gaza. It's important to understand how did he withdraw from Gaza? Number one, it's unilateral withdrawal, no coordination, and even based on the oslo agreement any action should be approved by two sides no unilateral action and he acted based on his side on his decision he made it and he with the drop of gaza but he left gaza how did he leave gaza and that's one of the questions we need like you live inside your house i left your apartment your house and i locked the door outside the sea under whom's control The sea is controlled by the Israelis, on air, on land, everywhere is closed. And that's what we call it. So that's why it's under siege, under complete closure from air, from water, from the ground, and even the drones, everything, the air is controlled by Israel. So it's not with the they, with the draw from inside to capture the Gaza Strip and to to be the open, the open, big airport prison. It's the largest prison. And the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, as you know, they are suffering. This is important. So if we want to see the religious leaders, they have a message not to politicize but to humanize and to adopt to the message of the faith and the religion, not for a political and politicizing the religion. And that's what is happening. When we speak, we want a religion, a Jewish state. What is it, a Jewish state? I am not against anyone to be free, to have independent state, to live in a free state as they want like any other nations, but not to politicize their religion. I want to see my Israeli friends living safe, secure, free as anyone else. I don't care about their religion because I am not here to judge them. God is the only one who judges them. If they are Muslim, if they are Jewish, if they are a Christian, I judge you based on how do you treat me? How do you interact with me?
1: Iseldin, if I can just break in here for a minute, just to uh, let folk know what they're listening to. You're listening to The Radical Reverend Show here. Um, I have been speaking to David Berlin, um, writer, author, founder, co-founder of The Walrus, um, born in Israel, raised in Toronto, and Dr. Iseldin Abolish, uh, who's Palestinian, born in Gaza, um, both authors of uh, very important books that I would suggest uh, the listeners buy. Um, One, uh, David's book, uh, Moral Lives of Israelis in Reinventing the Dream State and Iseldin's book, I Shall Not Hate, A Gaza Doctor's Journey on the Road to Peace and Human Dignity. Um, Iseldin, I wanted to ask you in particular, one thing I did not mention is the death of your daughters. Um, You have lost a lot um, uh, due to violence there. Um, And and I, I don't ask that you summarize your entire book, but... But how do, you, how do you move from there, um, from that place of, of suffering um, and not hate and not feel, and, and not hate and not, and not be fueled by anger?
3: You know, because it's not, for me as a Palestinian refugee who was born, raised, and lived in Jabalia refugee camp, I am a survival of the Nakba. My parents were survivors of the Nakba. And we suffered the refugees. My life was a war and continued to be a war from one situation to the other. And uh, even in 1970, I remember it. As I mentioned, uh, Sharon, he is living on the, on our land. And even in 1970, because he was the commander of the Gaza Strip. At midnight, the Israeli they, they want to widen the streets and nothing is more difficult than for someone to be homeless and to demolish their house at midnight in the camp the idf the israeli army they came to evacuate the house what kind of house it's a symbol even there is no running water inside the house or washrooms it's only two rooms to cover us from winter and from the sun in summer to evacuate it to be demolished in a few Hours, so i have this experience of house demolishing and to be homeless and this is one of the most difficult moments in life more than the killing of my daughters that i don't want it for anyone to be homeless because when we see we speak about what is home home is your identity is your dignity you become naked thrown in this world then a tragedies, they come and they continue, because it's not both the traumatic stress syndrome, it's ongoing, continuous, cumulative. But, you know, I have to keep faith because I believe this is man-made and how can I work to unmade it? Till 16th of January, 2009, when the Israeli tank shelled my house and killing three of my daughters, and one niece. What kept me moving is my faith. Number two, my faith. Number three, my faith. My life experience. My profession as a medical doctor, when a patient dies, I don't stay there. I have to understand why the patient died and to move to the next patient and to make a change and to learn the lessons. So it's important to understand it And I believe that in every bad thing, there is something good. I said why my daughters were killed and I was saved at that moment, because I was with my daughters. I felt there is something behind it. There is a message and it was broadcasted live. And the second day it was announced unilateral ceasefire to stop the bloodshed and to stop the killing. But no one should be killed in order to save others' lives. We should understand that a human life is the most precious thing, and killing one as if we killed the world, saving one as if we saved the world. I know the meaning of life and death when I work hard to save one's life as a medical doctor. And honestly, in my life as a gynecologist, the happiest moment in my life when I handed the baby to his mother, The cry of the newborn baby is a cry of hope. It's a new life. And I feel the pain of the mothers. How hard did she work during pregnancy to raise a child and to give them life? So it's time, the priority in life is for the living, not for those who are killed or dead. And also the the harm and the pain doesn't, hurt those who are killed. it hurts those who are living. So I feel it I am accountable to my daughters. I am accountable only just to God and to my daughters not to forgive them, not to give up but to keep them alive in the minds in the hearts and souls of people with what not with the bullets not with the shell that bombed them. I have a stronger means. It's the wisdom, it's the kind words, and the good deeds, and that's what we need. Killing will never put an end to any problem, because my daughter Bissan, at the age of 14, she said, to meet violence with violence doesn't solve any problem. There is an alternative way. Negative is not managed with negative negative, we need positive action to manage it. And it's not with hatred, because hatred for me, as I define it, and this is part of my work and the research, hatred is a self or community, destructive, contagious disease. It's a fire which burns the one who is afflicted with it. It's a poison, we become poisoned, we become heavy, we can't move. So don't allow hatred to approach you. And some people they think resilience, tolerance, kindness and forgiveness to forgive ourselves from this hatred and not to accept to be a victim of this disease called hatred are not signs of weakness, but they need a lot of courage and wisdom to be resilient, tolerant and kind.
1: Zeldin, I'm going to open it up in a few minutes so that we can have more of a three-way discussion on this issue. Um, again, you're listening to the Radical Reverend show here. Um, uh, two, very honoured to have two uh, amazing uh, men on the show, Dr. Zeldin Boleish. you've just been listening to him, and earlier David Berlin. Um, but before I, I, I turn back to all of us, Zeldin, I asked David this question, I'm going to ask you as well. So what is the way forward? You know the way forward. Yeah.
3: The way well forward, we need to have, as a medical doctor, I'm speaking. We need to have accurate diagnosis. We have been in this situation since the Nakba 1948, more than 75 years, and even the occupation 1967. Now, so we need to have the accurate diagnosis. We have the Palestinian nation, Palestinian people, and we have the Israeli people. We are not, I am not dealing with the religions, even Palestinians, we have Palestinian, Christians, Muslims and Jews who lived in Palestine. So it's important. And as David, he mentioned, you know, to be because to have sovereign states, Gaza Strip and West Bank and East Jerusalem, which are occupied in 1967, we need to have order in this world. And this order based on international law, and no one is behind or above this order. So it's important to understand it. And I ask David, what are the borders of Israel? Any state any state should have a clear, defined, and identified borders. What are the borders of Israel? We have Canada, and we know our borders. We have the states, the world, it has well defined and identified borders in order to move forward. We as Palestinians, we accept, we accept the international law and the resolutions and to have, to end this conflict, this divide. So the Palestinians, and that's the diagnosis, Palestinians are occupied, Israel is occupying. Israel is oppressing and the Palestinians are oppressed and we need to equalize between them. We want them to be free, to live in harmony, side by side, not, as David mentioned, to have a sovereign state in Gaza. Gaza is not a sovereign state. Gaza is part of the future Palestinian state, and it should be, and will continue to be part of the future Palestinian state, with East Jerusalem as the capital of the future Palestinian state. As mentioned, and this issue can help us to move forward and we need the international community to come together because what is happening now after october 7 it proved it's a global impact the middle east situation it has a global impact and there is a stake for all of the world to come together to stand and they realized it to stand to put an end based on the international law which keeps the dignity freedom justice of both people, Palestinians and Israelis, in the free. You ask me two state or one state, you need to ask the Israeli government. As David mentioned, it's extreme, extreme, the most extreme government in the history of the Israeli administration. Just lately, President Biden, he said two state solution, Netanyahu, he said no for a state, for a Palestinian state doesn't recognize it. And they say no for East Jerusalem, no for 67 borders, no for the right of the return. so what's the remaining? We need to stop this. We need the world to jump in to save the Palestinians and the Israelis from the self-destructive act, the self-destructive act. And that's what is needed. And that's what we have to do. And even what you mentioned, David, normally, the Israel doesn't bomb the West Bank. But they every day, every day, they raid inside the West Bank, the killing, the house demolishing, the expansion of the settlements, the checkpoints, the life of the West Bank, of the Palestinians. So what can we do? How can we live? We want to harmonize and to equalize between Palestinians and Israelis, not to be occupied occupied, but to free even the Israelis they are occupied occupied by the fear by the narrative by the narrative narrative and by what the ideology they want there is no palestinian nation palestinian nation is existing and will continue to exist and there is a lot of commonalities between us palestinians and israelis that we can share and live together and to understand it as i said it hundreds of times we are conjoined the twins and we have to live together and to share together. No one can turn his back to the other. No one is superior to the other, and we have to reach the shore peacefully because the safety, the security, the freedom, the dignity, the life of the Israelis is dependent and linked to the safety and security Freedom, future, and life of the Palestinians. This is the guarantee for a long-lasting stable relationship and peaceful relationship between Palestinians and Israelis.
1: David, your responses to what you've just heard. You know, there's two different issues here. One one is a political issue
2: and one is the religion. And and, and what religion does to both uh Gaza, uh, to a lesser extent, to the West Bank, uh, but to Israel as well. You know, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the worst government uh, and the most right-wing government we've ever had. But the, the, that move towards the right-wing has been happening in Israel for a long time. You know, and, and the the left in Israel is extremely weak. And and over this, next, this last war, it's become even weaker. You know, uh, I and that's what I said earlier. I, I really wanted to see how the protests end, because they they were for the first time in Israel's history, there was there were people in the street, and and to be perfectly honest, that they weren't concerned with Palestinians. They were concerned with themselves and with their own way of life and their own democracy. But it brought people out, and I was it was unfortunate that that and that 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 was curtailed, and it may you know rise again after this war. So there's. A political issue. Now, I just want to mention one thing about the political issue, just to hear your view on it, Zeldin. Uh, you know, Amos Oz, the Israeli writer who, who died, you know, a few years ago, uh, ran around the world for a while talking about a two-state solution. And, you know, I just caught a conversation with him because I'm, a, you know, so I was sort of a literary guy. And I asked him whether divorce, under any circumstances, is inspiring enough to, to, to get people working for it. And, you know, the, this the, this dream of side by side, you know, divorce is sometimes necessary. I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but I was divorced. I've been married for 47 years, but I was divorced before that. But I can tell you that even when a divorce is necessary and you put one of the partners in a, on the fifth floor of an apartment building with a huge window and the other one in an the, the apartment building right next to them so that each one could look into each other and that's all they will do. And you can imagine that, that one of the partners going, like, what is she doing? And the other one going, what the hell is he doing? And and so this idea of a side-by-side divorce that is a separation of two states to me is not inspiring enough for people to get over the, the, the challenges that will stand in the way of, 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 which is why, you know, I've been talking to whoever would listen, you know, about a, a, a much bigger, a regional solution. I also, unlike you... I am not, like, I I kind of feel like nation states is so last century. It's a last century construction. You you know, this notion of a regional, here, I have a book here. If you can see it, it's called, I don't know if you can see it upside down, but it's Shimon Paris's uh, book called uh, uh, A New Middle East. And it it talks about much softer borders, you know, uh, again, in the model of the EU, And, you know, and if we don't, you know, national self-determination, as they used to call it in political science, usually happens when a a certain minority is oppressed by a majority. It's not necessarily a a human response. Like, I don't know if I love everybody in this country to the extent that I want to have a nation with them. I think that's kind of, you know, a little bit deceptive. Most people I like. But some people like my neighbor across the street who just keeps throwing his garbage out, you know, uh, in my garbage can, uh, he can have another state of his own as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm sure this is true of Gaza as well. I'm sure it's true. Uh, it's certainly true of Israel, I can tell you. Yeah, you know, uh, so so that's the political solution that I'm looking for is not so much more states. A state, as I say, is a construction of the last century when the empire started breaking down. That's one thing. But the other thing I want to ask you, and I really don't have an answer for this, is, you know, I'm born in Israel, and you and I were in, in Shibalia at the same time, except on opposite sides. But we were different.
3: You came with the I gun, I, and I, I was a I, citizen. I, you I came with Jib- tank.
2: I was in Shibalia in
3: 1971. So with after the, they demolished our house.
2: Yeah, so I'm sorry I missed that one. You know. Uh,
0: yeah, but, you, you know, so you missed so I, it. Wow. If you if, if so, you knew wow, how
2: if, wow wow, wow if,
3: God if, they if, bless you,
0: you if missed
2: if, it. If, if you knew how many struggles I had inside the reconnaissance unit that I was in with Ariel Sharon, saying you know Ariel Sharon gave us an order to kill all the dogs in Jabalia. I don't know if you remember that, but but I remember dogs, it. But the dogs were warning the, the warning what we called the you know the fedayeen at the time and the, uh. Uh, they were warning yes. with their barks so
3: Ariel Sharon said kill all the dogs there is no mercy for the animals i think the united uh, you know the international community and the western countries should advocate for the animals rights and
2: i but... I, refu- I refused to go out on the on the reconnaissance trips you know i got into so much trouble because i was saying no this you cannot terrorize people like that and you cannot but okay but but i can tell you i you know unfortunately when my parents came here in 1953 you know, they put me into an orthodox school. So I, I became kind of a little bit religious, but I have lost all my faith. You, you, you say to me that your faith has saved you and allowed you to go forward. I cannot, I can, in my mind, I cannot distinguish between faith and faith leaders. You know, so, you know, I, I'm not like one of these guys that said, listen, communism is a wonderful thing. It just shouldn't have had Stalin in it. But that the, there is a way in which faith and and the leaders of faith, both both Jewish, both Muslim, you know, and Christians in the United States, are, you know, reflect and express the faith itself. So I can't I can't keep a faith. I can't I can't do it. I wish I could,
1: but I just it, cannot. So I'm I'm going to just interject here for a minute because David, um, I uh, I know it take it away from the powers and hours. A, yeah, exactly. Um, and we should. And I would love that. But just to, to, to for this show's purpose, um, you um, and to get it away from the personal, and it's hard, I know, to get away from the personal. But you mentioned you had that beautiful metaphor of a divorced couple. Um, I was really ringing with that, living next door to each other with windows on each other. Um, and I wanted to get a Zeldin's reaction to that.
3: Um, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. I want to ask you, David, where your parents were born?
2: nineteen twenty six, my father in nineteen thirty one where where? Oh my father was born in Jerusalem, my mother in, in Haifa. So you, you are you are Tzabari.
3: I am Sabari, yeah. Yes, you are a Palestinian Jew. You're yeah, of course they So were, you they are a have... Palestinian Jew. You have a Palestinian citizenship like Shimon Peres.
2: I, I I'm I by the way, I would say I'm a Palest I'm a Palestinian Israeli, not a... I, my Jewish you know, but you know, because
3: Palestine was, for Jewish, Christians, Muslim, yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you are Palestinian. You are welcome, my brother. I'm with so you. Thank you so much. So it's important, when you speak about the divorce, about political and religious. So political, and that's what always I call, it's not about religious. We don't want to politicize the religion and to make it a religious conflict. Where, you know, this idea of making it a religious and calling for a religious state of Israel. not It's about a land, about political colonization and occupation. And as you mentioned, and that's what the international community is endorsing, either two-state solution or one-state solution. And sometimes the people, they ask me, what do you want, what do you prefer, two-state or one-state, as if it is, I am doing lottery and I will take one and I have the choice and the freedom. I say it looks like a woman in labor, a woman in labor, and only women who experience labor, they know the meaning of labor pain. And I approach her as a gynecologist and to ask her, what do you want the baby to be a baby boy or girl? And what will be the name of the newborn? What is she going in the middle of the uterine contraction the labor pain what is she going to say she will curse me go away deliver the baby and then we can think of it and to have the safe baby so it's important to deliver the baby to save it to stabilize the situation and then we can think of it and to see what is going on the ground If we want to go to two-state solution, you need to ask this question to the Israeli administration. If they want two-state solution, let them base. We need values. We need the order, as I mentioned, based on what? On the international law, where Israel is a member and was recognized by the United Nations in 1948 with conditional acceptance. Of the Palestinian or the Arab state. So we need to understand it and to have order based on this. But you see what is happening on the ground. The settlements, it's the only, maybe the only place on earth which is divided into three areas. This is what maybe for the audience to understand it. The West Bank, which is about 3,500 square meters is divided into three areas, area A, area B, area C. Area C, which is 60% of the West Bank, is under complete military and civil administration by the Israelis. Area B, which is a 20% military by Israel and civil by the Palestinians and area A. But all of it, Israel can come any time to raid inside, to arrest, to demolish, to take everything, whatever they want in the West, Bank. so that's and the settlements now every time and then even within the last war this war what is going on the israeli government they are now they want to expand the settlements and to, to build more units in the settlements so i think the two-state solution it has been killed and always we need to ask who killed it and to direct the fingers who is against it personally as a palestinian who suffered and I have many friends, Israeli friends. I know the situation. I worked in Israel. The only way, the only way to ask Israel if they want to stay, to go to a state based on the international, if not equal citizenship rights with one state solution. This is the guarantee, and we lived before, as you mentioned, your parents who are Palestinians, born in Jerusalem, and they lived till 48, we can have, there is a lot of commonalities between us, and we can make it. But as you mentioned, the new politics, and the new Middle East, and Shimon Peres, what is he talking about, minority and majority? There is no minority and majority in Israel now, Palestinians are even the majority now. You know this.
2: That's why you won't have a one state. But i I want to tell you one thing. I will we we are one running. thing.
1: I just have to jump in. We are, we are running out of It's talk. important. I can say faith. I, no, of course. Faith yeah. is in
3: God. I have faith in God, not faith in political leaders. God is the great. Personally, when I have a problem, I seek support from God.
1: I mean, I just first of all, I, I, when you were, as you were talking as Zeldin, uh, and David didn't say it this time, but I do remember for our last conversation, he said, um, he said, "In the middle of a crisis, he said exactly what you said, and I love the metaphor of the woman in labor. He said, "In the middle of the crisis, one state, two state, no state, some state, this is not the time to talk about it. This is a crisis. Um, and I, I want to thank both of you in the midst of this crisis for, for first of all, bringing conversation. You know across differences we don't always have to agree thank you um and also okay. thank you for your faith um and uh and thank you for speaking from your faith even if David, you're questioning yours, um, we have faith in you. <laughs> so there you go. We have um, faith in something. He has faith in something. faith in something. We do have faith in something. Even um, the atheist. So, the atheist. So, if you
2: don't believe. mind, if you don't yes, mind, Sherry, David. Yes, uh, you Yeah. You know, I know your program's over, so you have to cut it yeah. off. But but let's stay on for a few minutes.
3: Yes, we <laughs> would love really, and to meet you in person,
2: David. Uh,
1: let's, let's stay uh, on. Absolutely. You know. Well, absolutely, we can stay on for a few minutes. Um, and and to you out there uh, in listener land, who have been listening, thank you so much for being a part of this. And, and please keep the conversations going. Um, these, uh, these, both these gentlemen are, are, are very much accessible and uh, so are their books. So uh, just to flog their books a little bit. Um, but, but also, of course, this is an ongoing conversation and thank you for being a part of it. Until next time on The Radical Reverend Show. And I'm going to stop recording Uh, And I'm so sorry out there in listener land. We're going to keep talking. Take care.
3: Really, thank you, Sherry. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, David. Really, you know, it touches me.
0: U T